the ways I've done it is try to be more organized so that at the end, when you're completely fatigued after making 450 decisions throughout the renovation, you still have that clarity of mind to make sure the quality of work is maintained up until the end. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, everyone. So in today's episode, I have got another renovating queen, little pocket rocket, Odette. And Odette has been in our Wonder Woman program and she is taking a break at the moment. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But there's a few things that I want you to get out of today. So in the last few months, firstly, Odette has been working on renovations for a client. And in that, I think we've both had a lot of learnings about the distinctions between doing your own reno and doing one from, for someone else. And it's something that if that's a line you're planning to go down, I think we can shed some light on some of the things that you need to think about. The second thing is Odette is finishing a degree. She decided after her first reno to go back and complete her degree. And I think I want what I want you to see is that life is so much easier if you have the uh, capacity to be able to get a decent loan and we'll go into that. And that's really what Odette's working at. Yep. And yeah, and the third one is just to really talk about those projects and we all love a good before and after. So we'll be including some before and afters in the um, show notes. So welcome, Odette. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. And do you want, firstly, do you want to just talk a little bit about who you are and your background and why you really came to renovating? So I think I met Bernadette in 2008. Oh, 18, sorry, I beg your pardon. And basically I was working in corporate Australia and I was looking for an avenue to be more creative I definitely was burnt out by corporate Australia, logging Boxing Day, like lots of late hours and that sort of stuff. So it was just looking for a refreshing change. And then I found the School of Renovating. So basically, yeah, did all the courses and the training, which was back then in person, pre-COVID. And I think the real passion of this comes from the fact that when I was a teen, like my whole week revolved around all the renovation shows and I was like I don't want to wait to win a chance on those shows I want to do it so I think I was just like looking for any avenue to do it. Awesome and so since you've been with us you've done three projects. Yeah. You, yeah you initially did a project with two other Wonder Women and then you made the decision to go back to uni. Correct. And I think the primary reasoning for that decision is I realized after the first renovation, this is what I wanted to do. So I needed to get my ducks in order to be able to lay the right foundations to be able to do renovations for a long time. My borrowing capacity at the time wasn't as robust as what it could have been. And I knew having a degree behind behind myself is what could push me to get those bigger numbers in terms of borrowing capacity. So yeah, it was highly motivated by renovation. Of course, I always wanted to complete it at some point, but I think I was able to attain the opportunities I wanted without it in the corporate space, but it definitely impacted me in the way of renovations. 
Yeah. And what's the degree that you are completing? So- I'm a, I'm a bit of an oddball. I, I think my, I straddle two worlds and that is I'm definitely creative, but I also love the nuts and bolts of operations and IT operations. So the mechanics and how beautiful it can be when it flows so well. And there's elements of that in the renovation project as well. But what renovation gives me is like that level of creativity, working with colors and lighting and spaces. So yeah, I did choose to do IT But I also chose to do IT aside from the fact that it would boost my boring power. It's one of the spaces I've seen in corporate Australia where older women in their 50s and 60s are still maintaining high positions of leadership and being acknowledged as leading in their fields of industry. I think for me, it was boring capacity, but also I've seen women succeed in IT project management, but that's always reminding us about the long term goals so yeah yeah, that's my my, it's an IT degree so I love the way that for someone your age you have so much foresight do you mind me asking you to share how old you are yeah so I'm 31 I was 31 in January I don't feel 31 I actually feel older and I think that's because yeah I've just always grown around grown up around like older people and I, I just I find it a lot more interesting and I they meet my level of conversation and Yeah, I just love how strategic you are. And I think that is the measure of a good, someone who's really got the the capacity to be really financially successful with renovating and property is being really strategic. And so you're getting all your ducks in a row, even though you've done three renos and you could could be pulling together joint ventures and doing renos without going back to IT, but you're putting that um, base in place. And the other thing I think is good is the fact that you do get excited about the whole process and the systems in both fields. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, I remember when you were having the struggle deciding whether, whether to do it or not and it's also unfinished business there's a lot of um yeah. I guess merit in finishing what you start Absolutely. and if you started a degree and you have the tenacity to go back and finish it even when you don't really feel like doing it that's a really it's a measure of your level level of character and I think that's a, it's a good thing yeah so then what happened is I had an investor get in touch with me and say will you renovate my property and personally I was really not didn't have the capacity to do it but I suggested to Odette that maybe she do it and I would mentor her through it she hadn't had such a great run with her first project so I wanted to make sure that she had a win or had lots of wins and so that's how we went about it now let's talk about the different distinctions um, between so what's the, what are the good things about renovating for a client? I think what you get to do is, of course, refresh a space, which is always so enjoyable. As you mentioned, we love a before and after. But also, I think within the community of the School of Renovating, we're so about sharing knowledge, wins that we've had in terms of finding good trainees or good suppliers. And what we're doing by invest investing our time with investors who want to renovate and don't have the capacity to do so is sharing this knowledge so I guess it's fun to see them go through the same process that we did earlier on which is come into the space of renovating and be stepped through it and I think Bernadette shares her knowledge so that we don't make mistakes the way that she has in the past and that's exactly what I like to do with my clients is hold their hands so again that they're safe 
within the first sort of steps in the renovation space? That's definitely, and I could, so um, we should mention that the client was an absolute honey. She was a dream client and really grateful for the fact that we were so focused on the outcome of her um, yeah. of her project, making sure that money was spent wisely. Did you find anything challenging about that? Like about, about working that with the client? Yeah. Um, this particular client was overseas and she had a, a very investor perspective on it, which was what can we do to maximise the value of this property and get it back onto the market? I think the adjustment I had to make in my mind is when I was – excited to discuss tile options or certain finishes. She wasn't always as enthusiastic. I don't think all clients will be like that. I think there will be some clients that have want to put a lot, like a lot more of their personal touches into it, but she felt no need to get involved in the design process, which was great for me, but actually unexpected. So sometimes I felt I wanted to be like, what do you think? What sort of tile do you want to use? But I think that was the one thing I was surprised by, but no real struggles with her. I think she was so accommodating in in so many aspects, budget and time and communication. So, Absolutely. So I have had a few students who have, a few other students who've renovated for clients and have been quite frustrated, not in a mentoring capacity, but have been quite frustrated because their client had ideas about what they wanted to do and those ideas were not in the best interest of the project. So they were finding that their client wanted to spend money that wasn't going to have a return and so there was a bit of a tussle. So while, yes, it's a bit disappointing if if your, your client's not as excited as you are about the tile, it's definitely a plus because she certainly leaves you to do what you're good at and so that's, I think, the best type of arrangement in that scenario. Agreed. I think I got the best... Yeah, the best deal possible, but it was that was what was unusual, but honestly, no real struggles. Yeah. The other thing that I noticed, because this was a first for me too, is that you have that added level of communication that you need to be aware of. Yeah. And I have to say, I am, and I'm sure you are too, quite the ability to be able to make a decision and just go for it. Yeah. And so you're needing to be ready or have planned ahead so you've been able to communicate and include her in these decisions before you actually march ahead. I agree. I think that was one of the complexities that I had to come to grips with. But the thing is, I took it as if you work in a joint venture, your level of communication has to be clear and consistent. And I just thought it, about it in that way that this particular individual, like a joint venture, is just sitting overseas and it's about getting her the information as if she was exactly part of the project the joint venture partner would be. Um, it also pushes you to be prepared rather than some of the times when we are renovating a joint venture, standing around and just chatting it through, being a lot more concise in, with what you've got in front of you to present to the client. That pushed me to, I don't know, be more organized, yeah. but also, as I mentioned, communicate knowing that she is a part of this project. However, as you mentioned, it does slow down the process. I think our kitchen was pushed out by at least 10 days because she wanted to go through the quotes, had a lot of questions, wasn't sure about the different suppliers, whereas we would have had that kitchen in straight away, just made a decision on the same day. 
So that you can't really worry about because it is the timeline is set by the client. So if they're going to take longer in the communication or decision-making process, it, it, it's it's their choice to do that. The other place where it can catch you up is paying trades, making sure she's prepared for when they're coming in. Would you agree? Yeah. How did you manage and- that? Yeah, Bernadette came up with a good scheme, which was to make sure that we we renovated for this client twice. The first one was a longer renovation. This, this second one was, was short and sweet. So with the payment cycles, we said to the client, could we send you invoices every Monday and you have them paid for the week? When it was a quicker cycle in the second renovation, it was Mondays and Thursdays, I think Mondays and Wednesdays. And that expectation was set with the tradies. So I had a, a rubbish collection service that came through and I said, you need to get me your invoice by Monday. If not, you're not going to be paid till the next Monday. I set the precedent. The person who's paying for this is in Hong Kong. They need to get all of their things sorted. So you've got to help me out and get me the invoices. If they didn't get it through, they knew what the circumstances were. Of course, you get a little bit of pushback. I think they don't come at you too hard if you say, I'm not the one paying the invoices. Mm. So It's just about setting the scene for the client and the tradies around those invoices and sticking to it. Absolutely. And there's something else that we probably need to flag. And it wasn't an issue for this project because you were under our umbrella, but someone going out to renovate independently, getting the insurance to cover their work can be very challenging. And that's something that you need to make sure that you really do need to make sure that you have have yourself adequately protected and make sure that all the right insurance is in place. And we did actually have the opportunity to test that, didn't we, Odette? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that situation? So is this in regards to the... um, Flooding? the, The what, sorry? The flooding. Yeah, Exactly. So what happened is there was the torrential rains in Sydney on our second renovation, which was in Arncliffe. But aside from the flooding that was there on the balcony, we also had at the same time a leak internally where a plumber hadn't secured a tap underneath the sink properly. It had trickled down into the floorboards of the apartment and also down the stairs into other apartments. So there was a fair bit of damage, well, to the internal carpet and also the the apartment underneath us. So that's a perfect example of what can go wrong. We'd used that plumber before. I trusted that plumber. I think they were using a junior member of the team and that's where they went wrong. But there was multiple points, as I said, flooding from natural weather and also internally that there could have been some real issues. And so something that we did was when before we started the um, project, uh, made sure that the owner's public liability insurance was in place through the renovation. And so as a result, she was able to claim the replacement of the carpet in the bedroom and the floorboards in the kitchen because they all popped up and any damage to the neighbours beneath. It actually leaked into their, their cabinets. Now, like, it's just a, it's a really fine detail, but if you haven't, you're not covered off on that, it can really bring the whole thing unstuck. So dotting your eyes and crossing your T's is really important from a legal and a liability point of view. And, and as a result, really the flood was a bonus because it actually paid for part of the renovation, which was... Yeah. 
Yeah, great. And the flip side of that is that you can say, yes, the plumber should be paying for it, and he probably will, but you don't want to be the person that's taking him to court. You want the insurance company to be um, dealing with that. So make sure that you're getting really good advice before you move into this area of work. And it's also about the fact that the investor is entering into the contract with these supply with these contractors with the tradies with the suppliers they're paying the invoice you are a middleman but essentially the agreement is between the client that you've got and the tradies um so it's about making that clear from the start as well exactly that's a little bit of gold that i'm hoping that anyone that's thinking about going down this path is taking on now let's actually talk about the renos odette so the first one was in lane cove So do you want to talk through that project? So both buildings were older blocks. I think they had usually 12 12 apartments in each. The first one, Lane Cove, didn't have good bones, which means that we always look at renovating a structural component of the apartment. In this case, we chose to take down a wall, which was dividing the living room and the kitchen, making it much more open plan. The other really odd thing about this particular apartment is that with all the apartments in the block, all of the kitchen was pushed to one end of a gallery kitchen, which was something like five meters long. So long kitchen, everything was crammed up the end and you had this space, which I think the original design laid out for like a small kitchen table or a dining table or breakfast table. It really didn't work like that. So we had to spend some money on getting that wall taken out and structurally reinforced and signed off, which was definitely worth it. It brought a lot more light in. And completely changed the space. I felt more warm, more homely, I think, for sure, and up, definitely up to date. I think the other things we did was, of course, renovate the bathroom, which ha- had leaks um, through the walls, etc., and then touch up the bedrooms, which didn't need a lot of work. We left the balcony till last because that was a choice around budget. So we just did some paint work there to touch up that balcony but yeah it was a good space it was definitely an older layout which kind of had long hallways and that sort of stuff so it was bringing that up to date um yeah I really love what we end up doing yeah excellent and did you ever get a completion valuation I don't think we did in the end but I think when we got the initial valuation about whether it was worth taking out the wall or not the agent that we went through said that it was a difference of 50k to the sale price Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the sort of value we did end up adding. Yeah, yeah. And how did you protect us from complaints from the neighbours about us causing damage to their in the process? I think I, I have a bit of a knack for this anyway. So my mum calls me Susie Cream Cheese. I'm always <laughs> running around talking to people and making friends. But I think just... um there was absolutely one neighbor that was just not on our side. But just going around introducing myself, there was an older gentleman there that loved a good chat when he was taking out the garbage and a lovely neighbor next door who invited me over for coffee lots of times. So I think when you just kind of make yourself known and humanize yourself by being friendly and talking through, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Come in, have a look. Because it's such a it's a space they're living in too, not necessarily the same block, but the neighbor next door, it was her apartment mirrored. So we gave her ideas of anything she might want to take on in the future. Then they, although there is noise that they're putting up with, 
they're a lot more accepting of the process. They oh, all had my numbers so they could call me yeah. anytime. I never got a call, even from the very difficult neighbor upstairs. So yeah. really just being friendly and just humanizing the process. Yes, you are going to get woken up at seven, but it's only for these four days. If you've got something on, let me know. We can work with it. Yeah. And did you have to get any dilapidation reports? Yes, we did. For the pulling out the wall, Bernadette was awesome in guiding me through that. The dilapidation reports had to come from three surrounding apartments that would be affected by our structure of the apartment if we were to pull out that wall. Yeah. And so that was a bit of a process, but yeah, do you want to walk us through that process just quickly? Yeah. So we have, Bennett has a, a structural engineer that she's used before. When the request came through from Strata that the dilapidation reports had to come through before the wall could be pulled down or approved to be pulled down, we went back to him with all the different criteria. One of the mistakes I made is I assumed that he would need to do a dilapidation report for our apartment itself, in addition to the apartment surrounding us. And this is a good lesson I learned, which is to really read through the fine sort of details of the conversations you're having because that was not necessary. And those reports are costly, each one. Just again, as Bernadette said, dotting your I's and crossing your T's, this will save you money. It would take me 10 minutes extra to read it, but I that was one of the things I learned. He came through, took photo for each of the apartments and then submitted the report to Strata. That, of course, meant that we had to get the permission from each of those tenants or residents in those different apartments to be at home, take the photos. And that meant one of the neighbours had to pop home from work and take an hour and a half off work. So this is, again, why you have to make yourself known to the neighbours because you're going to need them in some cases, hopefully not too often. Yeah, but I, and look, I, can't, I can't stress that enough. I, something that I always do is put my, particularly before demolition day, put my phone number in the lift. And a lot of people say to me, you shouldn't be doing that because people will ring you and, you know, abuse you. But they don't. If, you, if you're communicating, they really appreciate it. And I did get calls and they would say, I know that you can't do anything about it. And I really appreciate that you gave us your contact details. When do you think it'll be stopping? That's, yeah, it's definitely a, a Susie cream cheese definitely it has a role to play. Yeah. Now, I let's, think the sorry. other thing, sorry to cut you off, Benedict, is when you do this process, they will help you in ways you don't expect them to. So I had a neighbor say, I know your bathroom is being renovated all this week. Just come and use mine. I'm at home the whole week, like popping. She was working from home. So that really goes a long way, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So another way that we added value was by, because our client did want to put her property on the market, but not straight away because she was managing the the tax implications. So what we did was connect her with an agent who manages corporate rentals so that she was more likely to get a shorter-term uh, client and someone who was going to look after her newly renovated properties. So there's lots of things that you can add value to that aren't directly associated with the reno. Yeah. I think it's about thinking, what is it exactly that would be perfect for scenario? Because there is actually options for that in all the various scenarios. Exactly, yeah. So then we whipped over to Arnclet's. Now, Unclear was a property that she did want to sell. So do you want to talk through that process, starting with the valuations? So the real estate agent who was currently leasing out that apartment, it had become vacant to walk us through and give us a valuation as it was, but also to talk about 
the market and the area, what their preferences were, what they like to see in terms of finishes, the way they live, that sort of thing. He walked through that, gave us an idea. He did offer us some trades as well um, of who they use. We end up going with our own. The evaluation really started not only with the apartment, but also the surrounding spaces, which was an external storage space, which is very valuable in after COVID. We end up just painting that space and leaving it blank. But also we took some time around the balcony and that sort of thing as well after his advice. Yeah. And so what did you, so what was the budget on that, Renault? And- I think it was 30, it ended up being like 35, including, yeah. um, that was including a kind of safety net. Yeah. And it came in at around 28. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, really well done. Yeah. And so what was the scope of that renovation? It wasn't like Lane Cove. The bones were a lot better there. It was already in a position to have just those touch-ups come in. So that's what we did. We like cosmetically renovated all aspects of the apartment kitchen, bathroom, new carpets and laundry. There was some cabinetry. Also, the lighting made a big difference. The lighting in that space was really old. Bernadette has some great ideas about doing some feature lighting over the countertop as well. So it was a cosmetic update, but a huge, I think about a 20K difference, lower budget than Lane Cove, but that's because the bones were good. So it was really about just lifting the space. Yeah. And I think probably one of the key ways we saved money was one, so firstly, we intended to spray the bathroom, but Mm. at the time there was a world shortage on the material that they use. And so we ended up tiling over tiles, which has a few complications, doesn't it, Odette? (laughs) It does, but a lot less than you would think. Yeah, yeah. And one of the main complications is getting the taps to work. And one of the negatives with tiling over tiles is the fact that you can't switch over to mixer taps. Now, one of the advantages is that you don't, the waterproof membrane doesn't get disturbed. Now, if you want to switch over to mixer taps, you need to cut into the wall to put that mixing piece into the wall, the barrels into the wall. And so you can't do that. So you have to stick with the hot and cold which is fine because there's some really nice designs. Sometimes the spindle's not long enough in order to accommodate the extra thickness, so it takes a bit of juggling to get it to work. But it did work and it worked really well. Yeah, and that was really the only hiccup. It was, yeah. The rest of it went quite well. So with the kitchen, how did you save money in the kitchen? Bernadette had the great idea of just getting new doors for the cabinetry rather than pulling everything out and putting completely new cabinetry in. Because it had good bones, the the layout of the cabinetry was pretty decent. It was dated and it was also discolored, so it needed just a new finish on it. You find I, I found it difficult to get suppliers who will only supply a cabinet door and not the full sort of frame of it, but we did find one and it, that saved so much money. Yeah. It took a little bit longer to get in but because they had to come and cut the doors to size, et cetera. But it did exactly what it needed to do, update the space and do so on like a beer budget rather than a champagne budget. But I've heard a new expression now, Prosecco on a champagne budget. Much lovely. better. Lovely. Yeah. I don't even like beer. So Me too. <laughs> but I think the key thing that you have to think about when you're preparing something to sell is that is the impact when someone steps in the door, 
because as they say, first impression, really important. And that's why that kitchen area needed to absolutely sing. And in actual fact, we bought a light fitting. It didn't do it. It's important not to let your need to stick to the budget. We could have thought we've already bought a light and I'm not going to waste the money. But in reality, that would have been a mistake because that light fitting, and you'll see an image in the show notes, really lifted the area and added the wow that we needed. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. It's always about taking a step back and when you're looking at those decisions, especially how busy renovations are, it's so easy to get into a tunnel vision where you're just like using the same formulas over and over again. That's why it's great when we renovate as teams is we have that room to step back and just discuss between ourselves, really, is this going to work? And the client, thankfully, was on board. She understood that it was going to make a massive impact. And again, it's so case by case. It's just about, I think sometimes it's easy to get fatigued at the end of a renovation. It's about making sure you honor the quality of your work from start to finish. Because that's really going to show in the sale price. I Sorry for interrupting. I so agree with that. And the other thing is, I think there is massive value in having a brains trust. And I don't think that necessarily needs to be, it doesn't mean you have to do all your projects in joint ventures, but just having people that are invested in your success that you can call in. And like, I've been renovating for 30 years. I still do this because sometimes towards the end of a renovation, you lose your perspective which is, Mm -hmm. I think, it's a lot about fatigue. And sometimes you need someone who is willing to say to you, that looks crap. Yeah. 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 And that's because if you go to your family and friends, they'll say everything's lovely. Having a, and that's where I think having that community is really important. What would you say have been your three uh, top learnings from doing renovations with clients or with a client? Definitely to reiterate the point we've just made, which is you are working in a different time frame when you're working with clients. You can buy yourself time when you're working for yourself. If you need that extra week before putting it on the market, you can have it. Whereas with clients, if you're kind of setting yourself or have discussed a date, you've really got to meet that date. You are under the pump a little bit more. and, And as we've just discussed, the fatigue definitely comes in. So it's about trying to the, the ways I've done it is try to be more organized so that at the end, when you're completely fatigued after making 450 decisions throughout the renovation, you still have that clarity of mind to make sure the quality of work is maintained up until the end, whether it be getting in a good clean and the last minute finishes in this case for the laundry, just making sure that you yeah have the have that commitment to the quality. So that's the first one. The second thing would definitely be I think sometimes when we're in a joint venture, we do the planning. This is a personal scenario, but we do the planning up until 80% and kind of think, okay, we'll do the rest of the planning as we go. I think it pays off more to definitely sit down, even if it means an extra day at home in the office rather than on-site planning. Take it down all the way to what skirting boards you want, what what photographer you're going to get in because, as I mentioned, at the end, things get hazy and it's a rush. And so having your your earlier self make all those decisions for you, you're just giving yourself that safety net 
where where things are going to go smoothly. Yeah, just definitely plan. Even if you think you're being excessive, you're really never going to regret it. So just take that planning as far as you can. Look and try and be intuitive when you're seeing the photos in line of what you want to replicate every detail that needs to go in that space. And I think the other thing I learned was I do this thing where I try to tell the tradies, okay, this is what you've got to do only. Don't worry about this or don't worry about that. This is what you've got to do. Actually, they do need to know the background of what's going on with the plumber, if they're an electrician, what's going on with the tiler, et cetera. That might seem silly. I made a few mistakes where I made assumptions that they were on the same page as me because I was like, here's your list, off you go. Whereas I needed to be like, hey, by the way, the tiler's coming tomorrow. He's going to do X, Y, and Z. How does that impact you? Or, hey, did you know I'm planning to do this feature in this section? How does that impact you? Most of the time you'll get a no, but on three occasions across these two renovations, I wasn't on the same page as my trainee because I was only giving them information on what I thought was a need-to-know basis, which was incorrect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Listen, I couldn't have put that better myself, Odette. Thank you. And so what's next for you? So I am very excited because I got a lovely new job um, and the job is in the IT space of architecture software, which is phenomenal. So it's the best of both worlds and I'm very excited about that. Um, so that will definitely, I've got six more months of my degree. So as we do, we take on what we can and I've got to straddle both those things for six months. It's only six months. I can absolutely do it. And then go back to my mortgage broker and say, what can I borrow with the degree and the good job and, and see what I can do in terms of joint ventures. Awesome. Listen, Odette, you deserve everything that comes your way because you're an absolute delight and you are so committed to your goals. I'm really excited for you. Thank you, Bernadette. I appreciate it. With your guidance, it's easy to on top of these things thank you all right thanks for that if you want to meet up with a group of savvy renovating i shouldn't say it's all women because it's not savvy renovators i'll say come over and join she renovates it's completely free facebook group and it is growing at the rate of knots we hit a thousand members just recently and now it seems to have picked up momentum and so they are all savvy renovating women and men that are working their little hearts out to live a better life through renovating join if you're not already a member and then ask comment and do whatever you would like to do in order to further your renovation journey and that's it for me today so I'll see you next week this is the she renovates podcast To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.